Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. In two different ways. Okay, we're starting. Oh, welcome hey. to Recover Girl, a podcast all about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Anna David. <laughs> I am sh- I am shooting. I am recording my first episode outside. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful out here. And my guest, what's wonderful, as I said, is your name pronounced, and I named two pronunciations, and I was, both were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Syra. Mm-hmm. And I'm with Anna David, and we are outside. Yeah, and so we'll <laughs> spell it. It's S-I-R-A-H. And yeah. you can see why I was confused. It's very confusing. Also, because the wine, petite Syrah, so that just, like, ruins. It's a, I don't know, because I never drank wine. Right. Because I was either. very, like, classy. I had, like, maybe a box of wine strapped yeah. to my head. But yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, But so, yeah, I was very high class. But apparently it's a wine. So I didn't know. And it's tiny. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so a petite Syrah. <laughs> yes. I mean, sorry, who's going around talking I about petite Syrah? No, some, no offense. Some listeners. people tag me, though. Some people tag me with the wine conversation. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, people talk they about this? They don't, yeah, they, they don't realize. Know. They don't know. So, and, and but your, your given name was Sarah. Yes. And tell me, so, okay, let's get into the whole thing. What I was just explaining to you was that I first became aware of you because I was at the Unite to Face Addiction event in not last fall, but the fall before, mm-hmm. correct? I do. I was just having fun. I wasn't, not that li- listening to lectures isn't fun, but I wasn't well, attending any events. Well. <laughs> I wander into this auditorium. So random, too. So because random. the people that were in there, like, it was great, but it was, like, off the beaten path, like, yes. very strange. I honestly didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, I think I pulled it off. That, like, I was oh. like, I oh, know. I got this. Well, I was like, who is this girl? <laughs> She's far hipper and more articulate than what seems to be happening <laughs> in this room. That's why I was so... I was also wearing sweatpants. Can we talk about that? I didn't, know, I didn't notice that. Everyone was wearing suits. Oh, I didn't geez. know. And yeah. so I'm like out there with like all these very important people wearing my sweatpants. So how did that come about? They just reached out to you. Greg someone, Williams? Yeah, someone... Um, it wasn't Greg. Name. It was so, Someone reached out to me and they were, you know, they were like, we want you to be kind of like the edgy person mm-hmm. and I was like I got that yeah, 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 no <laughs> I'll bring the sweats yeah I'll be there and so and so they just said you're gonna t- get to tell your story yeah so they flew me out they put me um up in a hotel but I still didn't get any kind of like briefing right I missed like the dinners did you go to the concert I went to the concert right. yes that was incredible and okay so let's go into your story I purposely do this thing where I don't look into anyone's story I love I that. don't want to be like influenced at all so so and I remember snippets let's say very dramatic snippets yes. from <laughs> your talk in DC yes but let's tell people who don't know anything you were born here in LA right? no I was I'm from New York okay from I, New I'm York. excited about this this is exciting Wait, like not part? well just to know nothing yeah I yeah, mean yeah. other than very dramatic heavy things so, which like, yeah, that like were, I mean, from two years ago. Yeah, that's why it's amazing. I'm like, you know, the darkest parts of my life. Yeah, but only <laughs> the dark, only the dark. And then I recently met this friend of yours, Sarah. 
I I think I can say her last name. I was at a dinner party and I said it's to Sarah. Um, I mean, well, I don't she, know. She listens. Okay. I don't know if she, she seems like she'd be totally cool with being out. Anyway, I'm at a dinner party and I literally say, "Hey, is there cheese in this?" And this girl goes, "I know your voice." And I go, "That's weird." And she goes, "I'm sober." And I go, "Well, I have a podcast." She goes, "I listen." She's like, "I already know that." Yeah. <laughs> and so and so yeah, we just completely bonded. Oh, I love and, that. Um, and so just in case, hi Sarah, but in case you don't want your last name said, hi, I'll tell Sarah. I'll tell you after. And I'm sure I know. I'm sure you do. Hey. Oh, okay. Um, hey, hi. You're doing great. Hi. J- oh, sorry about I think this. It's my new neighbor. Hi, new neighbor. How you doing? Literally, I, hi. Not oh, just hanging hand. out. Yeah. Just hanging out. Yeah. Just recording what we're doing. <laughs> Hi, listener. This is unusual. So, <laughs> so let's get into the most personal aspect of your life. <laughs> um, no pressure. So, okay. So born in New York. Yeah. I was born in New York mm-hmm. and uh, I grew up with my mom partially. My parents were both, um, they met in recovery. Not in rehab, but, but. No, in recovery. Mm-hmm. In they New didn't, York. rehab wasn't really that popular back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they met in New York, and I uh, ended up, I think when I was five, I ended up going to live with my father. God bless him. Really, really charismatic man. Definitely a mess. Mm-hmm. So I grew up, um, my dad and my stepmom were like partial nudists. And I grew up like, you know, eating off the land and uh, eating raccoon and like skinning things and making hats. So not in the city? Uh-uh. Uh, upstate? No. They ended up taking me to Washington State. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was a weird time. <laughs> Did you see that movie, that Viggo Mortensen movie? What What's the title of it? I think I watched this on the plane with the kids that live out in the thing. Yeah. That was my life. Yeah. Yes, literally. They made it look in the movie very gratifying and wonderful. N- yeah, no. Yes. No. It's very... Well, you know what? It was... I mean, I think I'm capable of doing... Like, figuring things out more so than other people. Right. Um... I don't want to brag about that, but it's, I'm, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm like, give me a plier and a piece of gum and I'll make you a little tent right now. Right. right. But at the same time, you know, my dad was really like organic and living off the earth, but also shooting heroin. Mm-hmm. So the priorities were very strange. And was it your sis- you and your sister? No, it was me by myself. My sister would come and visit. But yeah, there was just a lot of insanity, a lot of nudity, a little part-time nudists. And were you going to school? Um, on and off, I got in a lot of trouble. Well, my parents got in a lot of trouble. The cops were constantly coming. Um, you know, we lived in a trailer and there was, there was good times. I think a lot of times I only harp on the bad times cause there was a lot of bad, but, uh, by the age of like eight, I had dropped out of school. I dropped out of the fourth grade to take care of my dad, um, while he shot dope. And that and, was my whole life. And why were the cops coming? Um, I think probably my mom was concerned because I was, you know, there was a lot of things happening that were not okay. I wasn't allowed to talk to her. There was just a lot of chaos going on. And when they came, why do you think they didn't take you away? I don't know. I was really, I learned from a very young age that lying is um, crucial to survival. So, you know, I didn't want my dad to be in trouble. So I would do everything in my power to Protect protect him. And and your stepmom was there. Yes. Also strung out. Nope. <laughs> Just enabling. Yeah, I'm I'm confused about all that, and um, she was also in recovery. So th- there's a lot of confusion there still. Um, Are they still together? No, my life? father died. 
So she left. She actually right. ended up leaving. So it was just me and him. Mm-hmm. For how long? I'm not really sure, but I believe like a year and a half maybe. Okay. And so I would just have to go like, you know, we'd have to go to the pawn shop and sell stuff. And then I would go walk for miles selling peppermint patties. Okay. To get, yeah, it was a lot. Um, I, knowing you for 10 minutes, I feel like you were an amazing salesman. Oh, I was incredible. And I was selling rare coins by the age of like eight because my dad was so strung out and he used to sell rare coins and they had this sheet. So I'd call people and be like, hey, Bob, do you uh, want to work the rest of your life or do you want to retire early? You did it over the phone. Yeah, it was insane. Well, because you have this just angelic little face and what's oh, interesting you. because you have lived you know, you clearly had to become an adult as a kid, but you, you, there's something about you that is like very childlike. I've gotten younger the older I get. That's like so, so much younger. Now, so you were, um, so you were selling s- stuff. Um, he was pawning stuff, and then how did you get out of there? He, I think the cops ended up coming the last time, but it was all kind of like convoluted. Um, but they ended up coming. I went back to New York with my mom. I had dirty hair, dirty fingernails, and I had been left alone. So my whole, like, my first course of escape was books. I would just read and read because I didn't have TV because that's bad for you. Right, right. You know what Everyone's I mean? Everyone's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> where we draw the line. Yeah. Um, so I would just read and read and read. And by the time I went back to, I went to Queens, New York, I was completely, um, I remember just, like, I, I, rem- I have this weird memory. I was in between 10 and whatever and I remember being on like the sixth story of this apartment in Queens and thinking like I could just jump out of this window do you know what I mean like very bizarre thoughts for like a 10 year old but I just remember really wanting to be out of my body yeah I mean not bizarre given what you had been through right and and your mom was sober yes and so that was a healthy life that you got into you know I think that what I've realized in retrospect is that my parents did the best that they could but nobody came from you know if crazy is the only language you speak it it takes a very long time regardless of being in recovery or not to learn a new language right and so there was a lot of just chaos I think you know probably my relationship with everyone has gotten better in the past five years and I have 12 years clean Wow. And do you have other siblings besides your sister? No, just my sister. And so then, and were you always musically inclined? Oh, my God. Uh, No, not at all. No, I was in, I didn't have any, like, talents as a kid. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would, like, write journals my whole life. But you were verbal because you were reading. Yes. And I started journaling at, like, seven. Right, right. I always thought I was supposed to be, like, an author. Do you still have those journals? Yes, I have all of them. It's insane. Wow. So you really documented a lot of what happened that you might not otherwise remember. Yes. That's really Absolutely. Are you working on a memoir? Yes, I am. Okay. Well, I, I was working on a memoir, but actually now it's more um, focused on just short stories and like what the lesson is as opposed to going all the way in. Are you scared to go all the way in? No, I'm not. I think it's just more about like making it palatable for other people right now. And then you have something to build towards, if that makes sense. Okay, I'm going to tell you unsolicited Yeah, advice. please, because you're amazing. Oh, um, God. 
we are we might be in love yeah i know we are um, this is magical by the way best date i've ever been on i know well, it really is like a gorgeous day i know there's plenty of gorgeous days in la but we're sitting in my backyard no, if you ignore the trash thing right there well we wouldn't have met your wonderful new neighbor know, though that's so weird i mean it's, no one ever moves in here very yeah, yeah um, <laughs> alarm I, I think he's right in there <laughs> we love you um now um okay so my first when i was first planning to write a book mm-hmm I reach out to an agent and he, I said to him, so I'm going to do a book of short stories. Like sex in the city had just come out. Before Amazing. Yeah. And I'm going to do a book of essays kind of like that. And he said, every first time author thinks they can sell a book of essays. You could, but hold on. Um, and it, they're really hard to sell. And the only reason that they do it is that they're scared to write their book. Now I'm, I started a coaching program. I'm now coaching 12 people in this. Oh, anybody interested? Email me. We're, we're, I, it's this one version ends in August, but six of them at least came to me starting and said, oh, I'm going to write a book of short stories or essays. And I told them what that agent told me and now everyone's working on a book. See, here's the thing though. I was like, I'm going to write a memoir. And literally everyone was like, don't. Who? Well, a few people. I don't want to shout yeah. them out. But there's a few people that are doing very well. Very well. Very well. And they said, here's the thing is like, <clears throat> I think that that's something that you should work towards because it is so heavy in terms of because I'm ready to go all the way in. I have no attachment yeah. to my life, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, they're successful authors and they're telling you that? Yes. That is bizarre to me. I think what it is is because I've done life coaching for the past nine years mm -hmm. and because I've also been doing motivational speaking for a very long time. It's more about just the introduction of stories because my short stories would still be like a memoir because I have such beautifully... Uh, dysfunctional stories right, right, that are sure. real, <laughs> like just poetic, you know. But still, I say, I, I say, the more shocking and dark, the better. Oh, even with this though, it's okay. very shocking and very dark. Okay. Yes, that's the good news. There's no way to escape the yeah. shockingly dark I things that. that have happened. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, okay. But I'm I'm totally open because um, obviously you know what you're talking about. But I'm but I I hear I hear that and I you know okay and so yeah and so I will tell you one thing is that I went around saying repeating that for years, and um, and then I said that to somebody who went ahead with a book of essays and then sold it for a fortune and I was like well I'm clearly wrong but then she didn't earn out her advance so she never got another book deal. All right, I'm right, is, right. I don't really know. I only know my experience. Well, you know what? I might self-publish anyway, though, because I met with a bunch of people, and you can get a huge. I, I can the place I'm at in my life. I can get a very large advance. Yeah. But I don't even know if I want to go that way. I would. I know that's what a lot of people are yeah. saying. But I, there's some other things in the works that are happening that could. I don't know. It's very strange, but here's the good news is I don't actually have to figure anything no, out. No. Which is cool. I mean, my only thing is that I will say, if I live with unsolicited advice, I you, love you could clearly sell a lot of books if you self-published and, and you could probably make more money mm -hmm. if that's what you want. But if you want more legitimacy. Access, yeah. Then why not? Go well, also like being in Barnes and Noble. I just put that cat hair in my mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, but being in like Barnes yeah. and Noble is like you a life goal. You can self-publish and get in those stores. But still, it's, who, it's a little more. Who do you have to sleep with? No, to get you don't no have one? to. Okay. I know how to do it. Again, it was to my share with my coaching clients. No sex involved unless you want to. Well, yeah. I mean. Um, so, okay. And so you, you were not musically inclined. No. 
I listened to a lot of music and I wrote all my feelings, but I was, you know, my father played every instrument in the world. He was like a savant. I was totally um, incapable and I wasn't really good at anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And music was not in my, that wasn't something that I was going to be when I grew up. Right. And so what happened? What happened after you moved to your mom's? Then what? Um, I started using drugs. Thank God. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, finally, I'm out of this body. Huh. How old were you? Um, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was terrible at using drugs, though. That's the only thing. What drugs are you using? Um, just, uh, like, smoking weed and drinking. But I was, like, always a blackout drinker mm-hmm. from the f- literally the first time I drank. Mm-hmm. I was out. Um, and so I would just proceed to get arrested and get arrested and get arrested. And I think I, like, thrived off someone seeing me. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt so unseen mm-hmm. that getting arrested felt like someone knew that I was alive. And you would go to jail for the night? No, they would always end up, because the cool thing about New York is, like, every, you know, you always got a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always had a guy. Yeah. And one of my friend's fathers was, like, this man named Andy. He basically, like, took me under his wing, and he was a cop, and he was, he's, like, one of the most incredible people I've ever met, but he would generally get me out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And so, and so then, when did you graduate to harder drugs? Um, I think it was, well, I was doing weird things. Basically, I think when I was like 15, I was doing drugs. I was popping pills. I was doing whatever, but my things got really advanced. My mom had moved to Los Angeles, um, to be with her boyfriend and foster care came to New York and they were like, we're going to put you in or you can move to LA. So I moved to LA and immediately just went to hell in a handbasket there was like no i i two months out here i ended up getting kidnapped and held by three men and brutally how did that happen it was it was a whole thing basically they took me from a park and you were like fucked up no it's just the middle of the day you were in a park Mm -hmm. yeah and you were how old 15 16 and and so and do you like have you repressed any of it do you remember it all no I remember most of it I mean I have the gift the gift of trauma is really really miraculous because um (laughs) which people are listening they're like why well people listening get it but but it is a a beautiful thing because you can separate from your body without drugs (laughs) right 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 um but yeah it was a it was a whole thing that got me there um but basically they took me they took me to an abandoned building and proceeded to you know take my virginity and so is that too harsh not at all not at all um and so I remember a lot of it but there was a lot of just like flying out the window yeah I mean so disassociation is a fascinating thing yeah I have a question for you about that um, have you had therapists and people go to you? So you say, I'm sad, I'm angry, whatever. And they go, where do you feel that in your body? Have oh, you had people absolutely, say that? Absolutely, yeah. And do you know? Yes. Have you always had that? Yes. Because I can always, I mean, I didn't always know that because I was so detached from yeah. my body. But through years of doing work, even now, yeah. like, you know, there, we talked about this. There was some traumatic stuff that's happened the past two weeks. Different trauma, yeah, yeah, just yeah. death and yeah. life. But it's... I can feel it in different parts and I go get massages to release it. Cause there's some things that I can't work through cause I'm holding it. Yeah. It's interesting. I always, my experience with that, I have some disassociation tendencies too, or I grew up doing that, you know, and I've had people ask me like therapists and meditation teachers. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what you mean. Where do I feel it in my body? I feel it in my brain. 
and it's been something I've been really working on and it's just like literally last week I went to therapy and I was like oh my god I was watching the movie Lion did you see it no is it amazing it's just amazing and the kid got like lost lost the train at a station it's like so upsetting and I felt terror and it felt it in the you front can, of my legs yep and I was like went to therapy I was like I felt I terror. felt it in my in the front of my legs because um, it's a really a lot of people who have no issues and no trauma just automatically feel they just know oh 100 percent. yeah well and it's also interesting too because i hold on to it in different places and you know even i mean this is many years ago now but i got an autoimmune disease and they were like we don't know what it is and what and i was just like this is my life you know right. like everything is a manifest for me and what i believe and i don't mean across the board because i can't speak for everyone but for me illness or pain is a manifestation yeah of repressed uh, emotions yes. and yeah. things like that i know absolutely I agree with you but i mean we're not doctors but no and i'm not telling everyone that yeah. it means like you know because you were you did something wrong yeah like sick yeah <laughs> yeah i i know for me it definitely is yeah um do you think your cat allergy is part of that uh, yes probably really? <laughs> i don't know I think also my genetics are strong, though, for certain right. things. Right. We got Zyrtec like, on lock. We should have put <laughs> stock in it. You know what I mean? Is that worse than the alcoholism that you have on lock? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, par for the course there. I'm like, well, 50-50. Um, so, so, okay. And so that happens shortly after you get here. Yes. And then what? And then that was the end. That was the end of me i was so you know uh, i ended up uh you know doing crystal meth selling drugs smoking heroin selling guns running guns how did you you just found those people? i find those people very easily i mean i still do i make gangster rap music i'm still right <laughs> still right. with my people but yeah. yeah i just lost my mind i I became a gangbanger, and that's how I got my name, Syra. Okay. How, like, one day someone's like... Well, we were, like, tagging. We were fighting the revolution. The right. man was holding us down. Right, The right. reptilian empire. It was... It's a lot. But, <laughs> so, I was... My real name is S-A-R-A. -A, uh -huh. And I was like, they'll never figure this out. Right. So, Syra, S-I-R-A-H. Very yeah. different. It bizarrely is. It is. It, it is. it is. It is. Well, also, it bothered me the way people said, like, he, the name mm -hmm. Sarah. They say Sarah. Oh, So, right. weirdly, Sarah sounds more like an East Coast Sarah. So, interesting. I have a thing with my name. People will say, uh, well, Anna over Anna. Wait, is it? It's Anna. Oh, thank God. You okay. said it right. Yeah, okay. Um, and then people will go, Anna. Like, they imitate me saying it. Not a lot of people. Annoying people, frankly. Yeah, I don't like that. But when I lived in England, <laughs> and I loved the way they said it, which was um, Anna. Anna. Oh, I like that. It's not Anna or Anna. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Anna. So, you're hanging out with these people. Yes. And were you talking about what had happened to you? Oh, no. Told nobody? No, I don't. Not your mom? Oh, no, she knew, but I didn't talk about anything. I didn't right. I didn't process anything. Right. At all. And so doing drugs, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And then what happened? Uh, well, I was living with Inglewood. I, I mean, I was living with 12 men in Inglewood, writing my fake name on other people's walls. I dropped out of high school six times. I was afraid of windows and doors. Um, so I had to like sleep with weapons and like be situated in the perfect place because you were high because it was meth. Yeah, but it wasn't even that. It was just my PTSD was like very right um, particular. Did they have weapons, those guys? Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, but the guys you were living with were okay. Oh yeah, they were great. I mean, 
you know, <clears throat> I don't want to say they were great. You know, a lot of them are dead now. Yeah. A lot of people, like, a lot of my ex boy I had a type. Like, all my ex-boyfriends got shot in the head. Right, You right, know, right. my friend got stabbed on my porch. The FBI kicked the door down, like, at my house. And there was just a lot of chaos. And the right. truth was, the only time I felt safe was when chaos was happening. Right, right. You know, so I managed to create a lot of chaos. But those kids were just a reflection of what I believed. But they weren't violent. They didn't, no, yeah. no. I've never, no, I've never been in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's interesting because chaos um, is a great distraction from feelings. Yes. And it made me feel whole. Yeah. Made me feel seen. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So, and then? And then what happened, my granny came from Florida. My granny's also in recovery. And uh, my granny, I love my granny, but my granny 12 steps like everything. Mm -hmm. Like plants, people, (laughs) you know, like she is like all about it. And um, so my mom came and found me in Inglewood and said, you know, I don't want your granny to know you're a drug addict, but you should see her. So I would stay at the house and every morning she would get me a plate of food and I would scrape it off into my dresser drawer. And for some reason, all the insane things that had happened never connected to me. But in that moment, when she would look at me and be able to say nothing, I had this, like, spiritual awakening that... Your grandmother or your mother looking at you? My grandmother. Mm-hmm. She didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. She didn't 12-step anything. Mm-hmm. There was nothing going on. Mm-hmm. She just looked at me and, you know... I could see that pain that I that I had caused. Right. And um and for some reason that moment was enough for me. How old were you? Seventeen. And so then what happened? So then I started going to I don't know how candid I keep forgetting like what the well, thing I is. I mean, yeah, I mean I try to sort of get people to shy away from it if they want to. I don't I don't I stop don't, anybody. I mean, obviously. Saying, like yeah. I'm in a cult, you know yeah. what I mean? No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, apparently saying 12 step is okay but 12 step is okay but you can't identify where you go that's like the rules so i started going to meetings meetings and um and i met the god of my understanding there um and he was wearing a fitted hat and a backpack and he knew about the revolution and i was like oh it was literally a person oh yeah for sure okay so he was your higher power yeah yeah he saved my life and um, who is he? Um, I mean, like what he is serving then? life in prison. Uh-huh. He relapsed at three years. Uh-huh. And he went out and killed a woman with a tire iron. And so that was your boyfriend? Uh, yeah, we were in love for like a very long two weeks. Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> like your first two weeks of sobriety? Yeah. yeah. He gave me a hope chip, though. Right, right. A literal one. We're not <laughs> right. <laughs> no metaphors here. Did you stay sober from that first meeting? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I and I got um, clean on the streets, so I just I was homeless on and off for my first two years, and I ended up getting I, I would sleep at the train station, I would take the bus to meetings, walk to meetings. I heard things that weren't there. I I saw things that weren't there. My ears were bleeding. They thought I would never get my hearing back. Um, I was insane. What do ears bleed from? Um, because I was snorting things. Yeah, and so they. My ears were bleeding from the membrane, I guess, because right. it was all going into. But not your nose. Uh, no, my nose was yeah. completely. You're like that. We don't even need that to thing. That we don't. <laughs> and you're and you were not staying with your mom. No. And um, so then life got slowly better. Um, not, not for, for a me. couple years. Not for me. I mean, the people are always like, "Why did you hold?" You know, I got a gr- um, an apartment 
uh, it was a garage in East LA mm-hmm. and it would like when it would rain the doors would like swell shut and I right. couldn't get out like it didn't really get better um, <laughs> and I hate to say that because people th- I think sometimes we lie to people though when they're trying right. and we're like oh it's gonna be great it's like no it's gonna be life yeah <laughs> I mean it. I, my life got like monumentally better my first year and then it Dipped. It dwindles. Oh yeah. Well, and some people, it depends on where you come in at. Yeah. You know what I mean? My my where I came in at was far lower right. than where most people right. come in at. But I also think there's a certain level of like I ruined my life. Right. And I had to deal with the consequences of that. And that's not fun. But the good news is once you deal with all that, then it gets monumentally better. So how long did that take? Um, it took me a long time. Today, you feel better? Um, yeah. No, I would say after like two years. But also at two years, you know, I had been working and working on myself and focusing on self. And I was still living in this garage and still, you know, living in just total, I mean, poverty, consciousness, like all of these things. Um, and at two years, um, my mom for Christmas got me this like three day seminar thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a cult. Um, it, uh, what's it called? Landmark Forum. Yeah, yeah. And on the third day, they were going to, like, tell me the meaning to life. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to commit mass suicide in tracksuits. This right. is actually a great gift. Right. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah. Like, I was like, this is amazing. Um, so the first day, I learned nothing. Second day, I learned nothing because I know everything. Yeah. Um, third day, it was basically, like changed my whole life like it was just you know there's things where I learn and I or I hear and I hear and I hear and at a certain moment in a certain place with a certain person I get it finally totally and that's kind of like been my journey and so I realized that I had to make a decision between being sick and well and that I couldn't do both at the same time right so I couldn't be a victim and be successful. I couldn't be abused and be in a healthy relationship. But you were, uh, apologies for the plane going overhead. It's the government. Um, no, I'm kidding. They're after you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but you were getting better. I mean, just the fact that you were staying sober. So you had yes. some positivity fueling you. Yes. But I know, I mean, I, yes. I, yes. In the bigger picture, yes. But in the moment, no, I felt totally, I mean, I was it you know, took me a long time. And the reason I say that and and not like harp on it, but I just think it's important is because sometimes people come in and they're like so excited and happy, joyous and riding clouds and unicorns right. and they get the job and the boyfriend and the car and the house. And right. some people don't No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just important for the people that don't to know that eventually yeah it changes but it doesn't because a lot of people are like i didn't get it yet yeah and it's like that's okay it took me a long time but i'm the only one that's still here right so there's something to be said about that you mean all the people you got sober with yes yes yeah i mean it sort of you know happens on god's time yeah completely and you know, it's like I have a psychic and, you know, she'll tell me things and they don't happen at that time period. And she's like, well, spirits don't know time. Right. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Time is an illusion, unfortunately. Um, so, OK. And so then after the forum. Yeah. So then from that moment forward, I didn't um, I made a decision. I didn't realize that I've been living my whole life based upon things that had happened 10 years prior. Mm-hmm. So I defined all of my self-worth based upon a moment that I then perpetuated 
into my life every single day. Right. So I made decisions on the belief that I was broken. Right. And then perpetuated that and then got to feel bad for myself. Right. Right. And that that whole pattern, I put it down. And so I made a decision like if I could really be something other than a high school dropout drug addict, what would I be if I could just let that go? And so you know, I made a decision to, I had already started making music. I was really bad at it. Um, and honestly, I thought I was schizophrenic and that's why I was making music. Mm -hmm. Cause I woke up one day at like a year clean and I heard this voice. It was like, you're going to be a rapper. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm crazy. Right. And I followed it and I just followed it. How'd you learn? I failed. I failed. I would go to this open mic, uh, Lamarck Park, mm-hmm. Thursday nights, and I would go and I would get booed off stage. And I, I mean, I was awful. Mm-hmm. I was really bad. And so I'd go every week and I'd get booed off. And I was the only girl and like the only white person. And they were like, what is wrong with you? Right. And I think because they felt bad for me or concerned, they like took me under their wing and taught me how to rap and made me jump rope. And, you know, so I mean, I just failed enough to succeed. And and then w- when did that you know change? Yeah, well, and when did that like blossom into worldly success? So you're doing those battles. Took me a long time. <laughs> and then wh- what happened? Um, well, I started getting like recognized by people, so I would like open up for Wu Tang and Celeb Kweli and all this stuff. And but I was still not really. I mean, I was with this label, Broken Complex, and they were incredible. And we were like booking these tours, like sleeping at fans' houses and doing this whole thing. And I can't believe I stayed clean through all of it. You know, it was just like yeah. day in, day out, day in, day out. But I would say that I, it depends on how you define success. Mm-hmm. I think in 2000, I'm trying to remember, but basically I went on Warp Tour mm-hmm. in 2008 because mm-hmm. Katy Perry was just barely getting off the ground. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, another revelation where I was like, I don't want to make underground hip-hop because everyone is mad. And I want to make music that's nice. Mm -hmm. And so that, like, changed the trajectory. And then I think a few years after that, I signed a publishing deal. Mm -hmm. I was about to quit music because I was broke and I was sad. And I was like, this doesn't feel, like, spiritual because I keep failing. Mm -hmm. And it's been years. And so, yeah. And then you signed a publishing deal. I signed a publishing deal. And then what happened? And then I still felt like a failure. In 2007, I believe, Skrillex wrote to me. I was on tour in Romania. I booked my own tour there. And he wrote me fan mail on MySpace, Mm -hmm. Sunny Moore. And I was like, who's this dude? He's like, we should work. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I went back to Queens. And my best friend, like, who I've been with forever, she was like, oh, my God, Sunny Moore is writing to you. She loves, like screamo like bang like right. sad bang hair right and i was like who and she's like that is sunny more and so i was like all right cool so i like wrote back and then when i moved back to la after tour i ended up living with him and like seven dudes in a loft in downtown and we ended up recording our first song weekends so that was kind of that mm-hmm. we made a bunch of other songs and then basically one day i woke up and he was skrillex mm-hmm. and i was sleeping on an arrow bed right <laughs> and then and then i had signed oh right before he became skrillex i had signed to atlantic records mm-hmm. um they like flew me out to new york it was like totally surreal and they signed me for, like, a very crazy deal on mm-hmm. their part. Mm-hmm. And so these things just started to, like, happen. 
and then Skrillex became Skrillex. And then I found out that we were nominated for a Grammy. And was that last year? That was 2012. Okay. Yeah. I got like a weird, it was, it just was such a bizarre thing. Yeah. It's taken me a long time. I was very slow. And what, and what is your like day to day like now? How many, how, how much are you making music and how much are you like doing recovery? You do a lot of advocacy now. I honestly have been like last year I spoke uh, like motivational speaking or like what I I was in a different city every weekend. I went to Russia. I went to Brazil. I've spoken all over the world and I feel like, you know, it's so funny. So at the beginning of the year I do like God boxes and Mm -hmm. like whatever. And I think it was two years ago. I put like, I want to sell a million CDs and like, you know, travel the world. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to be a little more specific. Right. So this past year and a half, two years, I've been selling a lot of CDs and traveling the world. But right. I'm like, no, I meant music, God. Right, right. Um, so CDs of your speaking. Yeah, unfortunately. No, no, no. It's great. I'm hashtag blessed. But, yeah. But well, I was like, that's it. not what I meant. And so, and then, um, so in terms of your day-to-day life, like you still do. I like make music every day. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of, like I'm saying, like things have been presenting themselves and I kind of just show up for everything. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, so I show up for recovery. I show up for advocacy. I show up for gangster rap music at four in the morning. I get called into the studio with Skrill, you know, like I just, I just show up. Right. And I don't really know how I get it all done. And um, in terms of like a sort of spiritual, like, is that a part of your recovery, a spiritual? Absolutely. I mean, for me, I didn't have any spiritual beliefs until probably two years into my right. process. Um, but it's I I meditate an hour a day. I do binaural meditation and it changed my life. I have a very deep connection with spirit mm-hmm. and just all things like I feel very connected to my life and spirit and i do yoga at five days a week working out things like that so i have a great meditation group on wednesdays you know so i have you don't a go to against the stream no okay no that's on wednesdays too i want to though yeah, i have a private little group like nice. five okay. people so, so, yeah kind of fun um and how similar was what you were hearing in forum that day that you heard it to like what you'd been hearing in recovery oh it was the same thing thing. yeah it was the same thing that's why (laughs) it's always weird Mm -hmm. because also i can you know go i mean i have learned spiritual lessons from like the dude at vaughn's you know what i mean right (laughs) yeah I have heard things from the most bizarre of places because I've just been ready to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's sort of like um, I heard somebody say this morning in a meeting that, you know, he went and it was like everybody was whining. And then he went back like three years later and everybody's like sharing these amazing things. Right. And it's sort of just like, well, you hear what you hear. Right. Based on like where you are, based on what your preconceived notions are about it and all of that. Well, everything is perspective, too. So it's like the way I'm I don't even accurately see you. Right. I see you right. the way I choose to see you. Right. And you you know what I mean? You're a reflection of how I feel about myself. So that's the thing is like everything. You know, the reason I, I'm so much, I learn so much quicker now is not because I'm some spiritually advanced human being because it depends on the day. Yeah. But it's just the way that I feel about myself. 
is the yeah. way that I get to view you. And that's, you know, and that's like, you know, until I came into recovery and I started hearing like what people think of you is none of your business. Like I didn't really understand that what people that everything's projection it's like that yes the four agreements did yeah you, I, love I, the four I only remember one of them which is don't take anything personal yeah I don't remember the other it's so true too though yeah it's not like I used to take everything personally and then I was like <laughs> nobody yeah. even knows that they can't see past themselves to even see me I know you know <laughs> I know I know but it's like I, I relate to that not feeling seen thing. And yeah. So it's sort of a relief to go, oh, no one really is. No, no one's being seen. So how do you make sense? We have to work towards wrapping it up. Okay. And how do you make sense of what you've been through? Like, why? You know, why would you have to go through that? Oh, because you know what? I think, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to get <clears throat> too heady, but... I really believe that before I came to this planet, I made a decision to learn certain lessons. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing is you either learn the lessons or you don't. You know, like I've had a lot of friends. My best friend died <clears throat> a few years. Like it, there's some people who are just not ready to accept the lessons. But for me, I was ready this time. Mm -hmm. And so that's why all of this happened was so that I could, you know, it's like taking all that pain and all that you know there's I mean we didn't even get into half the darkness mm -hmm. <laughs> but taking all that pain and all those experiences and being able to go help someone else escape whatever their belief system is is why it happened right right otherwise there's no point yeah you know what I mean yeah, yeah <laughs> I know I mean so it's sort of like your you believe your soul needed to Yes. For whatever reason, to, to be somebody who could share it with other people. Absolutely. And to transcend that. And I think everyone's got that calling in them, regardless of what their story is, because it's all just a story to yeah. get you to wherever you're supposed to be. Right. And so I'm so grateful all those things happen. Wow, really? Yeah. It's, I, it is so weird. Yeah. But I really feel that. I mean, like, because I have been in the most miraculous places as a result of having such a terrible quote uh, you know terrible life or whatever like I got to go to Utah to do this spiritual camp out and like bury this woman's son's ashes in the middle of the fall do you do you yeah. know what I'm saying like yeah, well, I, I don't no I mean means. but I mean I, I know what you mean like oh, all my traumatized whatever yeah. got me to that moment to be able to like be present for something like that like yeah. And also, who wants to get out unscathed? Like, what did you get out of that experience? What, you got, like, a mediocre life? Right. Like, right. okay. You know? It, and so, okay. So, this has been so fascinating and I know. Great. I love I'm you. Like, We're going to have to just do this. I know. We'll just record in life. it, but we won't release it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or we could do it without the tape recorder. Um, now, where can people find you? Oh, um, <clears throat> I'm all over the internet, mm -hmm. um, regrettably. Uh, but if you just Google, oh, that sounds so obnoxious. Yeah. If you, you can Google me. But you have a site, your own site. Not really, because okay. my site, like, sucks right now. Okay. But if you just Google. Yeah. At, if you Google S-I-R-A-H. So you're not going to find anybody else. No, you're going to find me and maybe some wine, but just me. And um, <laughs> I love I love to hear. I'm good at Twitter and I'm good at Instagram. Uh -huh. Other than that, I'm terrible at interneting. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's I'm here. <laughs> Thank you so Thank you. much. Loved it. Oh, by the way, 
You were just listening to Recover Girl <laughs> podcast all about addiction and recovery. If you want to find out more about Recover Girl, which I should mention is a consulting company, uh-huh, for addiction Hi. and recovery websites, rehabs, all of that, you can go to recovergirl.biz. If you want to get show notes and transcripts from these episodes, go to recovergirlnewsletter.com. I know. You do that? I do that. That's amazing. I mean, people do it, you know. Someone, yeah. So, you know. Someone I'm does that. Way too important yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, slash, of course, I do it myself. No. So that's, <laughs> no. I mean, yes and no. Recovergirlnewsletter.com. Sign up for the newsletter. And um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.